0: Welcome, everybody. This is Dr. Richard Ulm. Uh, we are here for another Conversations With. I was uh, down in Scottsdale, Arizona uh, recently and was able to wrangle down Carl Hardwick, who is the CEO of OPEX. For those of you who don't know what OPEX is, it's a fantastic education platform for personal trainers and coaches, uh, really where I found them you know, really useful in terms of information and knowledge that I have about performance training and, and just training for life. Um, is really in, in the in the metabolic space. And in this podcast, this is the first of two, in this podcast we actually get into defining a, a primary um, rule or a foundational principle in the OPEX model, and that is called sustain. So they've done a great job of sort of uh, breaking down and simplifying some of the complexities that we have with, you know, biochemistry and, you know, performance and and all that kind of stuff, which is fun to get in the weeds. But what I love about this conversation is that, you know, we really try to just kind of get it down to brass taxes and make it as applicable as possible. So um, this is a, this is a great conversation. I I thank Carl for, for taking time out of his day and uh, I want you to enjoy, or I hope you enjoy part one of a conversation with Carl Hardwick. All right. Well, I'm I'm here with Carl Hardwick, uh current CEO of of OPEX. I think you and I met at OPEX at one of your immersion. Yeah, twenty
1: twenty 2019. 2019 yeah. Yeah, 2019.
0: Uh yeah. Maybe 18. I don't know, I'm not sure. Uh
1: it uh I think it was beginning of 2019. Beginning of 2019 because yeah. I know we're setting up some some uh follow-on education. Oh, in that's 2020 right. and kind of got in the way, yeah, the, the pandemic things thing. Things hit. happened, yeah.
0: yeah. Um so, yeah, and it's been good to kind of get to know you, sort of follow the, the OPEX messaging and what they're putting out. And, and I've always kind of been, I've always felt like the, the principles are very, very in line with kind of what I sort of push out with athlete enhancement. Yep. Um, so just kind of curiosity, how did you get here? I mean, you're, you're in a cool position with a cool company. How did, how did you get here?
1: Oh, man. Yeah, I'll give a, an abbreviated Cliff Notes version. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always had a, an extreme extreme passion slash obsession with uh you know let's let's call it let's call it fitness to be really broad Um, (laughs) yeah a lot of things fit inside of that performance um aesthetics strength conditioning um the whole nine um but you know had a had a passion for that and at 12 13 years old that carried me through you know high school athletics and uh collegiate athletics um played a couple years of professional football um continued on the strength conditioning path throughout I was always the the uh athlete that was like pretty good um but you know uh my my hard work made me really good yeah yeah um, I was, uh, yeah you know I was I was one of those guys I have a similar um, story yeah yeah the, the guy that's like how the hell is this guy next to me better than me he doesn't work nearly as hard as I do but I understood at a very young age like you know I've pretty good genetics but not outstanding genetics so I always had to work for for what I got um, I always say I was the Honda Accord trying to race Ferraris. There you go. So you can yeah, only yeah. take it so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'll keep it abbreviated. Um, you know, got, got linked in with Charles Poliquin in, in my university years. Um, my strength conditioning coach, Dan Laramie, was a, uh, a huge proponent of Charles. Charles is a good friend of his. Uh, got into PICP very early yeah. um, in my collegiate years and, you know, met Charles and uh, met James Fitzgerald. Our Charles founder. taught me
0: how to squat. No, did he? I literally met Charles in 1996, the fall of 96. Yeah. And so when I found out that, that you had kind of had that in your background and yeah, James, yeah. I thought that was really interesting that we both have the same kind of, you know, he was a like a sort of like the a strength and conditioning sage or, or yeah, wizard yeah. you would like go try to find.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did, so uh, is that where did, you met did, James? Did Charles call you fat? Probably. Yeah, I think he's called everyone fat. I think I was like 7% body fat. He did my bio-sig and he called me fat around the umbilical and I'm like... This yeah, like nineteen 13, year old his kid. thirteen site you know, pen- like, I was like Charles, you're just trying to sell me some damn supplements. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but Wish yeah, he met, was. Met J- yeah, absolutely <laughs> met James through that. I uh, didn't know what the hell CrossFit was at that time. This was 2009, 2008, 2009. James had already won the CrossFit yeah. game.: His a seven, right? Oh seven. Yep. Um, and then you know I kept hearing this name, James Fitzgerald, James Fitzgerald. looking into was he who OPT he was. at that time? Yeah, he was OPT. Looked into who he was, what he was doing. Um, was you know, he still he, in
0: Vancouver at that time?
1: Uh, Calgary. Or, excuse me, Calgary. Yeah. He was in Calgary at the time, uh, doing his thing in the basement there, training a bunch of people in person, training a bunch of people online, just smashing his face. Also, also a Sage, like a
0: a, 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 a little wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Probably so, one of the first online coach, you know. Yeah.
1: James was the, the, James was the first, let's call it big, um, remote coaching company uh, up with OPT. I would believe that. Yeah. Coaching, he, yeah, he, coached, uh, hundreds of people, um, through email before, you know, your coach Rx's and all that software crap that we have now, but. Well, no, no. What's the one that we we're, we're using? So we, we've developed coach Rx. Oh, yours is just coach. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought that was a different one. Yeah. I was saying, no, we developed coach. And when I said crap like that, I didn't mean our platform is crap. I just mean technology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Um, meaning yeah, stuff. stuff. Crap stuff. in the, the best sense of the word. Yeah, man. So met, met James. Um, you know, I was getting into this, uh, transition out, out of football and into military service, spent six years in, in the army. And I was, you know, um, still a strength conditioning guy, but I was like, I I want to do it differently. Right. I don't want to do, you know, power lifting box jumps and, uh, just trying to get faster over 40 yards anymore. Um, you know, so got into this thing or that didn't get into it, investigated this thing called functional fitness. And, it was CrossFit. And, you know, I was just like, had this like weariness about getting into that because, you know, strength conditioning guides, like everything has to have rhyme and, and rhythm and meaning and all of that. And CrossFit from the outset, from me looking into it really didn't. It was just like do a bunch of constantly varied things. Um, and I met James and James had like this different way of doing it where he was like the he was the bridger of CrossFit and strength and conditioning. Um, he, he also he,
0: has like system. Like the thing that's always fun when you talk with James is he's a very big thinker. And so he had, he has a plan. He has a system. Yep. He understands how they interrelate. It's not just he's writing hard workouts. Yeah, exactly. You know? So yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. when you met him, you saw a Poliquin who I never thought I, thought, I thought he was very weak in the functional fitnessing, mm-hmm. you know, stuff and with the metabolic stuff, very, very genius in the you know, hypertrophy, power, strength, conditioning piece of it. So I can see why you might've been attracted to sort of like what James was offering back then.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, so met James, then got into, um, OPEX or OPT CCP at the time, went through the education. Um, and the way I still tell this story is James did the, James did the decade and a half of work that I didn't want to do, or I thought I had to do. And then I went, I met him, learned from him, went through his education and very quickly realized that he went the path that I thought I had to go, and I just I was a sponge with him, so I just kind of took it all in and asked a ton of questions. Was really annoying and um, kind of kind of took advantage of that mentorship from him. So um, always appreciative uh, to James for that. Um, so yeah, went through that. Um, you know, spent six years in the military uh, while. Were owning... you in the
0: military, kind of while you're meeting james and doing that uh yeah it was uh or you were kind of getting out of the military i was those. getting into
1: i was getting oh, wow. into yeah and then uh you know did a did a deployment did did a few tours um did a bunch of jobs um throughout that time uh opened up a couple gyms uh so i was a military a service member had my own side businesses opened up some crossfits opened up uh one of the very first opex gyms oh. in columbia south carolina and, you know, we, we saw a lot of success doing that. And it, it was like the OPEX methodology and the one-to-one personalized fitness, uh, evolution of personal training, all of that kind of just like opened my eyes to a new way of, of doing it. So started doing some mentorship uh, through that program. Um, our old CEO, Jim Kroll, um, him and I built a really, really solid friendship. And, yeah, I came He's on. A great guy. Yeah, I came on with OPEX um, in 2000 and Sixteen technically, uh, it's two thousand seventeen as uh, director of operations, and uh, did the COO thing for a few years, and then Jim left in July twenty twenty, and then I took over the CEO role. So I've, I've been in this role for let's call it two and almost two and a half years. COVID, who knows? It'll yeah, be yeah, five. Know. <laughs> About two and a half or eight years, something like that.
0: That's cool. So. You know, I always ask, um, what are you know? You give us a little bit of your background, but what are some of your biggest influences? I think you've already mentioned some of them. You know, in terms of your fitnessing approach, if it goes beyond Charles Poliquin and James Fitzgerald.
1: Yeah, gosh, that's, it could uh, be
0: experience, like you know. Yeah. Or, or how does your football experience or your military experience sort of influence your, you know, understanding of of
1: fitnessing? Gosh, that's a that's a really good question. I man, I would say that. I'm just, uh, I'm a reverse engineer, right? Like, it's just like the the way that my brain works is there always has to be an intention or an outcome as to why, and I've always been this way ever since I could remember, but um, I've always been an an outcome, um, let's call it outcome related individual, right? Where it's just like, I'm always questioning like why you can call me a little bit of a skeptic um, so I'm always asking, no, you just asking, want to
0: know why it's working or know that it is working. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or, or, you know, I don't, I don't want to waste time. Right. So I guess, uh, you know, I've, I've been, uh, I've, I've gone down deep rabbit holes and like, you know, um, maximizing efficiencies and, and, and work and life. I was going to say that goes beyond, I know you, and, that
0: goes beyond the, the weight room or whatever, yeah, that's in yeah. the, how fast you can, you know, or how efficiently you can program or plan your week or,
1: yeah, yeah. you know, that's cool. Yeah. So I, man, I would say that, you know and this is this is hindsight but my biggest influence is that right like what is what is it all leading to and and that that answer has changed for me over the years right now it's 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 like hey how can i do this for as long as possible and feel as great as possible to be uh to be a role model for my family for my kids for my neighbors um uh the whole nine right and how can i extend this out to the right as long as possible having the most amount of success for myself and, and the people around me. And, you know, we won't get into defining success, but I think that definition is a little bit different for me as well. But I would just say that outcome oriented approach has always kind of driven me forward.
0: No, it's, so you you've come across, I mean, some of the,
1: the same we've crossed to the same people. Um, but I will, I will say, right. Um, just to, just to add to that, because, you know, usually that answer is, you know, um, I've idolized this person or this person was my inspiration. Um, gosh, I think it's really important to always look at, to always look at, James calls it the sh- like standing on the shoulders of giants, right? It's like, you know, learning from other per- people's learnings, right? Kind of my story yeah. with James. James did the same thing with Paul Aquino. He did the same thing with Czech. He did the same thing with a lot of his mentors coming up in in the uh strength and conditioning and fitness game. But um, something that's really important to me is, and this is something I teach my children as well. It's like, you never idolize another man, woman, human, right? So, um, the, the idolization is something that I try to be really, really careful about, but that's not saying that, you know, you can admonish someone it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, you know, uh, you can applaud someone, but you don't want to, uh, you don't want to get on your knees and, and, uh, you know, worship, a, another, another human.
0: Yeah. Um, so you know, for since since we really kind of met, actually, I've been sort of reading James's stuff since way back in his OPT days, um, and so I've been digging through a lot of the OPEC stuff and just consuming consuming that that, that information. And, and one of the things that I found that was a little bit different in the OPEC's approach versus everybody else was this idea of making things aerobic or making sure it's sustainable. Yeah and i think that there's a lot of confusion around that and it's and i know that it's a, a primary tenant of opex so i wanted to just kind of dig into that so i guess just to start really really broad you know like what how do you guys define sustain mm-hmm. and you know is there a microscopic meaning within a workout and then there is also a macroscopic application to <laughs> programming and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Sustainable practices lead to sustainable behaviors. Right. So let's start, let's start there. Right. And I know that's like a very broad statement that can or cannot have anything to do with fitness. Right. But, you know, I think, and, and I think we'll kind of circle back to this idea of like, how does this, how does what we do in, in the gym, in the weight room, in the, in the pool, on the track, whatever, like, how does that actually lead to uh, increasing what we do in our day to day outside of being like a professional athlete that gets paid for this thing, which you know you and I aren't, and hyper
0: specialization, most, but... most people
1: aren't. Um, so yeah, the idea of sustainable practices lead to sustainable behavior. If we take that concept and we we put it inside of we put it inside of the gym, right? And you and I just did a did an interesting session in my garage, right? And we had a we had a little conversation before, and it was like, okay, what does what does pacing look like? What does sustainable inside of this piece look like? And we kind of self-regulated that, right? I kind of hedged to you a little bit. I was like, hey, man, this is going to be, you know, two to three minutes of work. Um, you yeah, give me some
0: contact so I can make it sustainable.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, let's feel it out that that first round you and I are really experienced and, and figure out like, you know, is this an oh crap moment where we came out too hot? Or is, it pacing. Like, you know, or is it like, okay, yeah, I can kind of ramp it up. And I think we were kind of the ladder there where it was like, we just naturally got a little bit faster. We did six sets of each piece, two pieces, um, you know. Two minutes of work. Yeah, about ish. two minutes of work, about two minutes of rest. And, you know, as we got to set two or three, we kind of found our groove. We kind of got faster from one to two to three, found our groove, and then we sustained across. So from a macro point of view, the, the idea of sustainable work or aerobic work, um, it's, it's to be able to do the thing over and over and over with the same expression, with the same power output, um, able to recover from it. Um and you know, able to recover from it, that can mean a lot of different things. We could talk about going from set one to set four, or we can talk about going from today, Sunday, to Tuesday, and for us to be yeah, able that's to a do macroscopic it again. application.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the area where I got confused early on was, you know, the listening or, or you guys it's just saying sustainable, it's just like, well, if you're making anything sustainable infinitely, then it automatically has to be aerobic, which I know is is not exactly that. So I guess a question is, when we're, when we're applying it within the piece, as you call it, or within the workout, mm-hmm. is sustainability, is there a time component to that? You know, so what we did today, I couldn't have done that pacing for the next six hours. Yep. So therefore, you know, if you don't have a time constraint on it, well, that was unsustainable. But within the piece that we had, six sets, a little bit of rest in between, um, you know, we made it sustainable. Yep. So is there
1: a time component within the actual workout or the piece that you call it? Uh, no, but time dic- dictates dictates pace, right? So you just said that what we just did for two minutes, you wouldn't have been able to do that for 60, right? So time was two minutes, our pace was up here. It was high. If we did that same session, but it, they were 30 minute pieces, our pace would have been a lot lower, but it was, it would have still been sustainable within that 30 minutes of work. So time and, and, and pace, those things are, those things are like seesaws, right? Like if right. time, if time goes down, pace or effort goes up in aerobic work and anaerobic work and anything, the difference between aerobic and anaerobic relative to actually doing the work is rest, right? So, right? so if time dictates pace, right? So if we're two minutes and let's just, let's, let's throw like objective measures out. Let's say that we're on the bike erg, right? We're doing two minutes of work on the bike erg and we're holding a 145 per 1000 meter pace, okay? If we were doing that and we were saying, okay, let's, let's go from two minutes of work to 20 minutes of work, that pace is now going to go up as well, right? So it was 145 at 2. At 20, it's probably going to be something like 205, right? Now we start talking go up. about... By go
0: up, you mean slow down.
1: Slow down, yeah, yeah. yeah. So go up in yeah, number. Yeah, up in the pace. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, So Your 500 pace. So, you know, if the argument that... Or the, the question... Not argument. The question that a lot of coaches would ask is, okay, so what's the difference between aerobic and anaerobic if... Because we would say anaerobic should be repeatable, right? Aerobic should be sustainable. And that's confusing to a lot of people. They're like, what do you mean? Anaerobic, let's take the same two minutes and let's say that we're going at a 135 pace and that's anaerobic for that person. So, what's going to have to, this is just a question to you, two minutes at 135, right? What would change relative to that aerobic? The so ratio piece. between work and rest would have to change. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So the two minutes were like two on, two off. Boom, 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 boom. Sixteen sets, and it was just repeatable. It was tough. It was like flirting with threshold, but it was it was sustainable. Right. Yeah. I was able to sustain that pace with a low work rest ratio. Now I'm going to go 135 in that on that two minute bike erg. Now instead of two minutes rest to make that repeatable from set to set, I'm now going to have to rest eight minutes. Right. You know, you see the difference there? So it's just like, you know, when we get into it, I actually agree with what you said uh, to kick off the conversation. You said if something is sustainable, it is aerobic. I would agree with that, right? Like if we start to get into like aerobic respiration and aerobic theory and, and we start going down that route, it gets really complicated and complex. Like there is no There is no agreed upon definition or there's no agreed upon uh, theory when it comes to aerobics, really, because you can get anyone that comes in. And usually what you'll hear is, well, you know, no energy system really works independently, which it's like, yeah, of course not. Right. Like we're using our CP system. We're using our glycolytic system. We're using our oxidative system like we're using all those systems sitting down, standing up, drinking coffee and walking from one side of my backyard to the other but it's like, what system is dominant? And all that we're saying is the oxidative system is the dominant system. If something is sustainable.
0: And I think that was another piece that I missed. And that was, we actually, the last time I was here, we were working out and we were going back to, um, my hotel. Um, it was, you can be, you can have moments of anaerobic, let's say, just define it by heart rate, which I know you guys don't necessarily mm-hmm. like to do, and I love your reasoning why, but I can get into like the 180s or the 170s, yeah. but then because the work rest ratio is dosed properly, it's repeatable. Yeah. So at the end of that, you know, let's say I'm doing a repeatable effort, an anaerobic effort that's repeatable over 25 minutes, if you average you know, my heart rate over that whole thing or you average which system is dominant, it might actually be my aerobic system is dominant for the scope of the workout. That's where I was a little bit confused because I was like... Well, he can't be saying that you shouldn't be doing anaerobic. You should never get your heart rate into the anaerobic range. (laughs) No, no. But it's that the, am I understanding it correctly to say like, okay, well, if you look at the entire workout, if it is repeatable, if we're talking about anaerobic efforts for the time domain that we've written it for, then the predominant energy system there probably is going to be aerobic system Mm -hmm. where you're actually recovering and getting rid of the lactic acid you built up during the effort. Is that
1: accurate? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, but you know, I would, I, I think we even have to come with a more simplified definition of aerobic and anaerobic and that's why I just like to use sustainable or unsustainable. Well it's very very it's,
0: practical for like the normal person. Yeah. Like I'm a numbers geek, so I always have a heart rate monitor on. Yeah, yeah, But I love you guys just breaking it down and making it as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. Like when we were talking about, I was talking about zone two. I do zone two work every week. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, cool. But then everyone gets sort of like hyper focused on, you know, am I in zone two or am yeah, I not yeah. in zone two? It's just like, dude, is it sustainable?
1: Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And and it, it, you know, like let's look at the work that we did today, right? Like we did a piece that included, um, and we 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 played, right? Like we did some mixed work and all transparency. I haven't done mixed work in like two months. Like I've just been doing all cyclical aerobic work. So today it's I was kind of fun though, like, which is like,
0: so weird to say. Cause when I was an athlete, I was just like, fuck that stuff. I don't want to do it. And now I like doing that cyclical
1: repeatable yeah, stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, but let's take that, right? Like our effort wasn't unbelievably high, right? It wasn't unbelievably high, but it, if we had heart rate monitors on, and I think you actually did. did. Yeah. Yeah. You did have one on your heart rate would have been your heart rate would have been higher in the work that you did today versus if you were just to sit on that bike and go at the same perceived quote-unquote effort. Sure. Why? Because you have contractions are going on, right? It's like um, blood pressure differences as you go from the bottom of a dumbbell uh, power clean to the top, right? Grip, uh, grip considerations, jumping, Core onto activation, a, yeah, yeah. jumping onto a box, ensuring that trying you not to fall. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it it. May or may not happen uh, twice. Yeah. trying not to fall on the box. It's like your heart rate might've been 172. Whereas per- perception wise, you may have looked at that and been like, man, I should, I feel like I should be at like a 160 relative to how I usually sure. feel when I'm doing cyclical modality. So when you start to add different, uh, different restraints and, and different pieces, um, that that's going to affect something like heart rate right? So it's just like, it's challenging for people to, it's challenging for people to wrap their heads around that. Or let's say that, and I know you're traveling right now. Let's say you got six hours of sleep last night and you're used to getting eight and a half hours of sleep, right? You come into my garage today and we're doing something just cyclical. Your heart rate might be, you know, eight to 10 beats per minute higher than you're used to because of your lack of recovery. Right. And I, I love that as like a restraint where someone can actually sure. keep themselves honest and be like, okay, recovery was a little bit low last night, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, to, at what point do we start self regulating? Right. Yeah. And you that's, need to be
0: able to read. I, I, when people get too fixated on, on tech. Yeah. It's like, no, no, you just need to be able to read your body. Yeah, yeah. And know, like, you know, you should be able to get on the rower with the battery dead. Mm-hmm. And you should be able to actually just know, like, okay, I'm going to go for about this long. And this is the the amount of work that I need to do with or without a pace going, you shouldn't need the actual pace thing.
1: Yeah. It's something interesting for people to think about. Like if they, if they want to, if they want to assess, if they, if they truly know their gears. So we talk about that. We use that term a lot, know your gears. And, you know, as we go through our maximum aerobic power continuum from 10, all the way to one, uh, we'll get, we'll get the question like, why do you want to progress from long to short, from slow to fast? And it's like, you got to learn your gears, right? Like there's some power to knowing You know, if someone told me to do five minutes of work to be able to self-regulate that over multiple sets and make that sustainable and repeatable, a really good assessment for people is just like to jump on an assault bike and put like your phone, right? Put your phone in like a landscape mode on the, on the screen of the assault bike. So you can't see RPM, you can't see anything. You can only see time, right? And just go on that assault bike and go, let's go 60 seconds, right? Go 60 seconds work, 60 seconds rest and do that for eight to 10 sets. And challenge yourself, can I actually make that work repeatable? So just look at the calorie output every 60 seconds. Most people, they can't do that, right? Without looking down at RPM and just like making sure, oh, I'm at 67, I'm at 68. Oh my God, I get to 67, right? Like most people can't do that. But it's a powerful thing when someone knows their gears to an extent where they can jump on that thing, go for 60 seconds, go off, do a little like lap around their yard for 60 seconds and then go again and do that for eight to 10 and be like within a couple calories every, every set. It's like, that's actually knowing your gears and not being so attached to like these, these objective measures that I think yeah. like too many people in fitness are attached to for no reason.
0: Yeah. So I definitely want to get into the, why do you go from slow to, to faster, harder contractions, but I, w- I want to close the loop on, on the sustain thing. So with the workout that we did today, right, two minutes of work, two minutes of rest, mm-hmm. we did basically six rounds, a little bit of rest, and then did it again. I was trying to work where I could sustain it for the 24 minutes of work that we were doing for each one of those. Yep. I could not have held that exact two-to-two two ratio, the, 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 the effort that I was putting in for the work, and the rest. I could not have held that for another three hours. Yeah, yeah. So we would still classify that as sustainable, right? Because mm-hmm. it was written for a 24-minute piece, and we want the pace to be sustainable for that 24-minute piece. So when you say sustainable, you don't mean like, oh, no, all your work, should, you should be able to do it for 10 hours. Yeah, you mean, yeah. okay, the workout is 60 minutes. So the pacing or the, the intervals or whatever we're doing needs to be such that it can be sustainable for that 60 minutes. And yep. the goal is that you find a pace that is basically like in the beginning, you know, we did it the first couple of rounds. Like we went a little hot and then yeah, slowed yeah. down and then came back up. And then we found, you know, for you, I think it was like one minute and 46, 47 seconds. Yeah. Then you hold that pace and then the the difficulty level goes up and up and up and up and up And in a perfect workout. If they're going to sort of converge yeah. either right at the end of the workout or they would converge if you kept, if going. You kept going. And I, you and I were mentioning that we, we want to have one round or two rounds in the tank for what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. In a performance piece, if, if I was training as a professional athlete, there might be times in the week where I want those to converge right at the end of mm-hmm. the workout. Yeah. So I'm actually trying to sort of like you know, empty the tank but I'm doing it in a workout where the pace is sustainable for the timepiece. Is yeah, that yeah. an accurate description yeah. of sustain?
1: Gosh. Yeah. There's a lot in there. Right. So the, the, even the concept of a perfect workout, right? Like, and you hit it at the end, but what does a perfect workout mean? It it's, you know, going back to the way that my brain works, it's like, who is the person and what are their intentions? So where you ended it was someone that's performance minded and they have to get better. Right. I'm with you. If they have to get better, there has to be, I know that your listeners can't really see my hands, but I'm just like doing a, a horizontal axis with, with, my, with my hand and that is representing their aerobic threshold, Yeah. right? So if I'm trying to get better, I want this aerobic threshold to just like slowly step up and up and up and it's not going to step up and up and up unless I challenge it. Right. So my other hand is kind of like pushing that threshold up a little bit and that's like what you're saying, the converging and that's happening. So let's take let's continue on this 2 minute path, right? So let's say that we're doing 2 minutes on, 2 minutes off times 6. Performance wise, I want to I want to flirt with that threshold from set 1 to 6. Yeah, right? I want set 6 to end and then I I I want to have to rest probably 5 or 10 minutes before I do that again to again flirt with that, right? Yep. You and I, we're just—I'll uh, speak for myself. We're, no, no. I, I know
0: what you're going to say. And we're agree some with old you. guys, yeah, yeah. like
1: doing work, right? So our outcome, we're just like, hey, we want to challenge our aerobic system relative to to today, the time that we have, and and uh, what we need to get done tomorrow. So we're not we're not pushing that, but we could have, right? We could have. We could. Have, I could have been like, rich, like, tick it up a little bit. Yeah, if right? I was going
0: like, one, one, one minute forty seconds, yeah. I, that would probably would have been like I could have done that for six sets, would have been really challenging the last two. Tank probably would have been emptied. Yeah, but still was, sustainable. Yep. But, but I'm pushing, I like now the effort level and the pace converge right at the end of the workout. Whereas yep. this one, you and I could have probably done two, maybe even three more rounds at that pace.
1: Yeah, but our assessment happens when during the rest period. Yep. So you and I both, I, I looked at you and I was like on the row or on the bike. We're talking, right? You could have gone when we were 60 seconds in that rest period. Correct. You didn't need to go at the top of the next two minutes, right? So the assessment occurs in the rest period. So if we're pushing aerobic threshold, if we're feeling that way, we're going to go hotter until we're like finding that that appropriate, like right at 148, I'm ready to go. Not at 60 seconds, right? Right, right, yeah, So yeah. you and I, though, we didn't care. We're like, no. we don't need to push that threshold up. So I'm with you on the the idea of converging. But, you know, when we start looking at pacing, right, I, would, I wouldn't even look at it like we're doing 24 minutes of work. I would look at it like the amount of work, the amount of work that I'm doing right now is two minutes. And this is where it starts to get really head in the clouds and theoretical. And this is what you and I went, went back and forth on last year. But if I'm doing two minutes of work, I want that to be at my eight minute, Race pace, right? Uh, let me let me say that differently because okay. I think a lot of people would would uh, understand this one. If I did twenty minutes, or sorry, if I did five minutes of work, I would want that to be at my twenty-minute work pace. So w- where I'm going with that is, I think a lot of people, most people, have done a five. Ma-
0: so just to be clear, guys, to make that effort repeatable is what he's saying. You would pace it at your twenty-minute pace. He doesn't mean max cal, you're going max effort for five minutes yeah yeah yeah.
1: Yeah. so i'll bridge it here so i think a lot of people have done a 5k time trial most people fall kind of within that 20 minute period some people freaks are at like 16 minutes and then you know less fit people are at 23 minutes but we all kind of fall somewhere within that 20 minute period most of us so let's say i did a, a 5k row time trial and my time was 20 minutes and let's say my intention is to get really good at the 5k row time trial I'm going to do five-minute pieces, right? Because the way, that, the way that we lay out the map continuum is, remember we talked about uh, time and effort, right? If we're looking at five minutes, if we're going to look at our quote-unquote perfect pace for five minutes for training, that's actually my 20-minute pace. So what I'm going to do is Monday, I'm going to do a 20-minute, or sorry, Monday I'm going to do a 5K row time trial. I ended at exactly 20 minutes. Next Monday, I'm starting my training to improve that 5K row time trial. I'm going to do five minutes of work at my 20-minute pace. So I'm going to do five minutes of work at two minutes per 500 meters. I'm going to rest. Let's call it, you know, one to uh, 0.5 work rest. So let's say two and a half minutes I'm going to rest, and I'm going to do that for four sets. And then I'm going to rest Well, the Well, the the
0: four sets, this is where the rubber hits the road then. So, you know, if if you're doing that, you're saying four sets will... What about doing it for 10 sets? Why wouldn't I do it for 10 sets? You know, cuz I don't think it's do you, I don't think it should be repeatable for that many rounds, but it can be. It can be, but like if you want to really sort of flirt with their anaerobic threshold like you're saying, I think that that the the pacing and how many times is the effort going to be repeated, so there's mm-hmm. the time constraint for the workout, is where people get confused when you say sustain. So if I'm holding that 5-minute pace or that 20-minute pace for the 5 minutes, um, you know, are you doing four rounds or are you doing 40 rounds? You don't want to make it yeah, where they let can me, do it for 40. In.
1: Let me jump in. Yeah. At a minimum, I want to start off with doing at least the amount of volume that I'm going to be doing when I retest the okay. thing. So that's where the four rounds came in. That's where the four rounds came in. But, and keep in mind, I said at least, right? So I'm not just going to do, I'm not just going to do four and call it a day. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do four and that's going to be in a very confined space. So um, I'm going to do the five minutes of work, and then I'm going to rest 230. I'm going to do that times four, and then we call these blocks. I'm going to do multiple blocks of that now. Now I'm going to rest 10 minutes, right? In I'm between. Maybe, okay, so yeah, that's maybe. how
0: you make it where the pace can – I've always been confused with this. I always said like, well, if you could do that same, you know, work, rest, repeat ad nauseum, so now it's an ad infinitum, yeah. then it's you're not working hard enough to actually stimulate an adaptation. But if you're working there and then you need a rest in between the blocks – yeah. Now you can make a pace that's going to stimulate an adaptation, you know, repeatable by having the, the blocks you're repeating the blocks. Yeah. The
1: the adaptation is going to, the adaptation is not going to occur in the first session. The, The adaptation is going to occur over time. So let's say this is an eight week training program. Now we can open up the floodgates. How do I progress this? Right? So we can add volume, but why the heck would I add a bunch of volume? I'm not going and rowing a 60-minute row. I'm, I'm rowing 5K again. So progression-wise, and this is simple, uh, an oversimplification, but I think it'll work for a lot of people. We go two minutes. We go at that two-minute pace, five minutes at the two-minute pace, rest 230 times four, rest 10 minutes, do two blocks of that. That's, that's week one. Week two, watch this. I'm going to do 158 to 159 pace. Same work, same rest, blah blah, blah blah. same amount of blocks, whole nine. Week three, I'm getting faster. Week four, I'm getting faster. I get to week six, man. I'm at like a 153 per 500 meter pace. Still two blocks. And I'm still doing two blocks. I'm doing double the amount of volume for the for the test itself. And my aerobic system is making 152 easily repeatable because I've trained this thing, right? Now, when I go and retest the twenty minutes, what is my brain saying? Smoking. My brain is like two minutes is slow. Yeah. Right. Two minutes is slow. So now my I may not be able to hit one fifty two, right? Because I I segmented and all that, but I can sure enough do one fifty five now. So adaptation occurred over those eight weeks, and I just got much better at a five k row.
0: Well, let's let let us finish with this because I know you got to get out of here. Although I wish we had like three hours. This is important stuff. I know. so in those two blocks, so we said we that we're doing the the five minutes of work, two and a half minutes of rest, the five minute pace is at your 20-minute, whatever you had your your pace, then you're resting for 10 minutes, you're doing two blocks. Yep. Do you want, you want that pace to be repeatable for for that workout, that piece? Um, but to understand sustainability, we don't need that pace to be able to work where you could do that exact block 44 more times. You're saying four you know those two those two blocks by the end of that workout you should be pretty tired but you should be able to hold and sustain that pace for that work to rest ratio for two blocks and at the end of those two blocks you should be you know depending on what your goals are either completely gassed if you're you know a professional athlete or like us tired, maybe you could do another couple rounds like that. Yep. Okay. So that's where I think there's some confusion because people just think like, well, if it's sustainable, I'm the pace could never be hard enough to stimulate an adaptation if it really could be done for the next six months yeah.
1: without ever resting. Yeah. I think, I think is that, lot, I, am I understanding you're, you're that correctly? It. Yeah. You're nailing it. But I think a lot of people, there's a, they, there's, there's this idea that sustainable work is easy just because it's sustainable does not mean it's easy. Like when we start talking about, and I know the
0: time constraint though, I think is where people are missing it.
1: Yeah. But, but the, but the, you know, if time dictates pace, if I were to do, if I were to do 30 seconds on 30 seconds off and I were to do that times 10 times four blocks, dude, that is challenging, right? It's like, because remember, we, 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 we talked about like flirting with capacity, flirting with threshold. If we're flirting with, if we're tr- like, and, and if we have an, an engine and we're flirting with aerobic threshold, dude, that is so challenging because of the amount of volume that we can fit inside of it. A oh, lot of people, it's... a lot of people think that because it's sustainable and it's aerobic, it's easy right? It can be absolutely. The first part of the workout's easy. Yeah, it can be. If I'm doing 60. The back half of that workout is not so easy. Yeah. There's just so much that fits into this idea of like sustainability and aerobic. Like we could walk back in this desert right now and walk for 60 minutes. That's aerobic and sustainable. Or we can go back in the garage and do what we just did. That's also aerobic and sustainable. They're just on different sides of the continuum, right? Like we're doing map 10 versus map four, yeah, right. and
0: map yeah, and, and so maybe I just didn't understand the, the the map stuff. So it again, for something to be sustainable, there there is a time component to the definition of sustainability in exactly. terms of within the workout. Yep. Okay. So I know you gotta get out of here, dude. So we'll we'll have to continue this later on because I think you guys got a lot of just great concepts that are out there. Yeah. And I thought we would just sort of dig into sustain, which is I think one of your your primary, you know, concepts. And so maybe we'll, we'll keep going through yeah, yeah. the OPEX concept. We didn't get to get into repeated effort versus max effort. And I, I really would love if we had time when, to talk about it. When are you about. out of
1: here? You out of here tomorrow?
0: Uh, I'll be here. I'll be here until tomorrow afternoon. Maybe we'll, we could do something tomorrow morning early if you want. Yeah.
1: Maybe we can meet up. I'll we'll do part text. two. Yeah, we'll do part text. two,
0: but this has been great. So, um, Appreciate it, buddy. really quickly we've got, uh, what, what's the website for OPEX?
1: Oh man. Uh, OPEXfit.com. Okay, we'll just finish yeah. there. we got to get them out of here. Yeah, Thanks yeah, again, yeah. though. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. All right.